I just want to smack, 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 smack him. Smack him. Like, Murdoch, invent a slapping machine and put him in it. Slap, 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 slap. Welcome to Mystery Maniacs. Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery TV. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. This week, Murdoch Mysteries, Dinosaur Fever. I got a fever. Dino Fever. It's got a little disco beat. Yep. Season two, episode three. I'm going to say, and this this is absolutely a spoiler, right off the top. No one gets dino fever in this episode. <laughs> no. Though a dinosaur does bite somebody. Sorta. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. <laughs> you let your kids go to the museum and touch the dinosaurs. No. I can't touch the dinosaurs. Can't touch the dinosaurs. I consulted a real paleontologist yes, with questions have, about this episode. And have, if I suggested you couldn't touch dinosaurs, she would freak out. We have real paleontologist references in this episode. <laughs> oh my gosh, the power better not go out again. <laughs> oh, we have had the worst time. A light just flashed in the room that we're in. I'm like, oh no, power's gonna go out. The power of the internet being on both in our house at the same time. This is the second week in a row that we've noted. Yes. Hey, we've got electricity <laughs> and internet. Yes. All right, you've got some announcements. Uh, A couple of things uh, of note in the July and August schedule uh, that went out in the Mystery Maniacs newsletter last week was we are doing a trivia night. It's not really a night, but it's a trivia event. Depends where you are. And it's all Midsummer trivia. So none of this Murdoch stuff. No. It's Midsummer, baby. We're back. Going back to our roots. Going back to our roots. And that will be on July 29th at... 2 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook. 2 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. in the Eastern. U.S. And things are looking good that we will be able to have you all participate. And we'll have prizes. And we will have prizes. It's going to be fun. So the prizes are not only for the winner, mm. which we will certainly have prizes for some winners. But some random draws. But also some participant prizes because not everybody knows everything about Midsummer. No. I don't. I don't. I certainly don't. And then after that, we're going to take a two-week break because, as you well know, we are the busiest human beings on the planet. And uh, those no. are two particular busy weeks for us. They are busy. Second of all, uh, we are on another podcast this week. Yeah, we're on we the Clue Done It podcast, mm-hmm. uh, where the way their their podcast is, is they watch a little bit of the episode and then they guess who the killer is. And we give them a little couple of hints. Yeah, they watch then, some more. Then they and watch. They, they've covered all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Then they watch the episode, which is season one finale of Murdoch. And then they have us back on for. There's really two episodes we're on. Mm-hmm. And then there's a little uh, inside baseball of how these podcasts work. Yeah. So it's called it's, Clue Done It. It's. C-L-U-E-D-U-N-N-I-T. And we're on that podcast. So that's... And that was really fun to record. So we're doing six podcasts. We're <laughs> on those two podcasts. This Sunday, I am recording, which is tomorrow, but mm. yesterday, if you're listening on Monday, 
I'm recording a music podcast. Uh, I got invited to to talk about an REM album that's one of my favorite records, and it's called the Mu- uh, the album Cockpit Podcast, where we go through all the songs on the record, and I talk ad nauseum about them. <laughs> So if the you love the cockpit? sound of my voice. <laughs> or if you like R.E.M. Or if you like R.E.M., in particular, the album Life's Rich Pageant. Uh, and then I'm going to be on a whole bunch of comic book podcasts because my Kickstarter is going to start up later this month. But more on that later. Yes. Okay. We have to talk about the fabulous post on Reddit. Yes. Our Reddit on our subreddit, our subreddit on Reddit is called Mystery Maniacs. Our Mystery Maniacs. The, the following was posted yesterday. The post is called Die Hard Maniac, and it goes like this. I watched the last episode of Endeavor last night. In a very tense and dramatic scene, Thursday goes to meet his brother in a deserted warehouse. Another character shows up in the meeting, too, and I startled my partner by shouting... Tits in a tree. I am a hopeless maniac. <laughs> That's from Irma Cat, who is a fantastic contributor on all the, the subreddits. We've all done yeah, it. Yeah. I, 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 I absolutely know that when I went to see the newest Batman movie and I leaned over to talk to my friend and went, Midsummer. <laughs> Every time you saw somebody who'd been in a midsummer, <laughs> no one else was doing no. that. CHS Girl 180 says, Oh my God, I do this thing all the time. I call it Midsummer Tourette's. <laughs> I will randomly yell out Midsummer references and my poor hubby just smiles. <laughs> Our people. That's what I said. My people. Right on. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. And the last thing before we dive in is you got an amazing gift yesterday from our friends. Joshua and Kalani. For your birthday. Yeah. That was an illustration of the two of us with the Mystery Maniacs logo. Podcasting. Podcasting, yeah. Done by Melissa Capriglioni. Yeah, who, who illustrates d- your comics. Who illustrates some of my comics. It's so cool. You posted it to the socials yesterday, I posted, didn't you? I posted it to all of the socials it's on really Saturday. It's really fun. Including, <laughs> I did the cross-population post. Yeah. So it went out on like 20 different accounts. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. It was such a cool gift. It was such an amazing, cool gift. And I, I the first thing I said is, wow, my wife is pretty good looking. <laughs> it It's better than I am, I think. It makes I, me look prettier than I, I don't think so. You're beautiful. Oh, shucks. Are you ready for Dino Fever? Yes. Now? Originally Can we get into aired Dino Fever? February 17th, 2009, directed by Paul Fox, written by John Grieg, and boy, do they stuff as much as possible in the first two minutes of this episode. It should be called like imposter fever or faker fever. Or gender wars. By the way, we spoil it. Yes. If you've not seen it, stop listening, go watch it. We're going to spoil it. We're going to tell you who the killer is and all that good stuff. On the very first shot, I had to stop. The very first How? shot. How? I had to stop. They're and at I, the dino ball. And did research. 
No. Where are they? What is that building? I don't know. It is the Hockey Hall of Fame. Are you serious? I am 100% serious. <laughs> and boy, can you see I didn't know it was the, so nice. The photoshop that they do oh, to yeah. make it look like the Oh, dump. on the outside. On the outside. Okay. Yes. Now, they're not at the Hockey Hall of Fame on the inside. Mm-hmm. I think they're meant to be at something like a museum. the Royal Ontario Museum or the ROM, as it's called. So do is, they have to like Photoshop out? a Gretzky statue outside or something? Uh, they did have to Photoshop out posters that would have been on the building. <laughs> I will show, uh, I will take a comparison picture and uh, show both of those in the show notes and put it in the reel for next That's week. That's fun. Because it is clearly the Hockey Hall of Fame. Okay. So, okay. So I get past the first shot. And then we have fancy sandwiches and eye rolling waiters. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And poor Rudolph Sutton, who's the... The haggard professor who's so jealous. Yes. He's like, I want a sandwich. I want a sandwich. Can I have a sandwich? They don't look very good. No sandwiches. So the eye-rolling waiter is the waiter from later on. Yes. I double-checked. Yes. $8 for dance lessons? That's like a significant portion. I don't think Murdoch is saying for each dance lesson. I don't. I think it's like a gym membership. You know, you got to pay for a whole month or something. And I think it's interesting that Julia has a dress with no sleeves there. And she is the only one with a dress with no sleeves. I don't think that makes her risque. Though, her purse is fugly. Yeah, it is. Her bag looks like... Uh, when I was a kid, my mom used to hang our clothes out on a line to dry, and she had this bag that she hung on the line that kept the clothespins in it. It looks like that thing. There's a super nice promotional shot I've used for a couple of the reminders, and I'll put it in the show notes too, of them all dressed up with the dinosaur. Nice. They they really were pleased that they got to do this, because that dinosaur is obviously from the ROM, and obviously like a real dinosaur model. Now we'll get to the that. Royal Ontario Museum. Yes. Okay. You yeah. got to clue us in on your Canadian lingo. I said that before. Rom. So <laughs> they drop the bone wars right away. Yeah. Dino hunters and celebrities, the rivalry between Orthaniel Charles Marsh and Edward Drinker Cope. Mm-hmm. So this is well known. I think we actually have covered it in another episode that mentioned dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to cover it, but it is. it would be absolutely the talk of that event. They were rival dinosaur hunters who basically went to any lengths to one-up the other one. There's a lot of exaggeration about it, like they dynamited each other's sights and stuff, and they it's they didn't really go to that length. They had different procedures back then. They often yep. did use dynamite, yeah. um, but not to, um, to sabotage one another. Though, between them, they did discover 136 new species which, of dinosaurs. Which... And this is not their fault, most of which are now completely different dinosaurs. Yeah, because they've renamed them well, uh, science, correctly. Well, science goes on. Realize that the head didn't go with minute. that body or yeah, whatever. All that good stuff. Though I will say, if if you are even remotely interested in the Bone Wars and that story, back in 2005, this really exceptional graphic novel came out called, it's called Bone Sharps, Cowboys, and Thunder Lizards, Edward Drinker Cope, Othniel Charles Marsh, and the Gilded Age of Paleontology. And it's by 
Jim uh, Otiavani, and it's a graphic novel. It's beautiful. Yep, we'll post that in the... It is so fun. I don't know why we don't own that. I think I read it from the library. Mm-hmm. I think we should own that. Yeah, That's it's a good very one. cool. Yeah. So then, wow, one single word has me off on a whole tangent. I easily spent 20 minutes on the first two minutes of this episode. You're broken sometimes. <laughs> you know that? so broken sometimes. Premiere is the word. Yeah, because, okay, so we have Barkley Blake, who is the fancy-dancy paleontologist. Oh, boy, is he fancy. And we have Rudolph Sutton, who is the professor in the Tweety suit, clearly poor and hungry and wanting to eat sandwiches. I'm sorry to say, accurately portrays academics that we know. Yeah, but you know what? He's got a point, too. Oh, he has a point to everything. Yeah. But he is... But Barkley's trying to show up, everybody. He's like... Oh, Premier, you know, like I'm important. I know who the Premier is and I'll talk to him. Well, the Premier is not Premier for very much longer. His name is Oliver Moat. Mm-hmm. Boy, does he have some lamb chops. Woo. He's got little Harry Potter glasses and big old chops. <laughs> He's not Premier. So this is after May 16th because the last episode was May 16th and they were trying. Ooh, look at you in your history. Trying to. Continuity. Uh, yep. They're trying to get ready for the ball in that episode. Mm-hmm. So it's after that. And he what resigned on the 21st of July. Oh. So there's only a few weeks that this episode. <laughs> Stuff's going down already probably, yes. right? Why did he have to resign? Well, he didn't have to resign. He chose to resign because he left to become a federal member. in the. He left to go into federal politics because the Liberal Party was in charge of Ontario and the country at this time. So Premier is like a governor. Premier right? is like a governor. So he was in charge of Ontario. Yep. And then and then there's Prime Minister. Yes. Who is in charge of all of Canada, right? S- yes. It's a president. Okay. So then I'm reading his Wikipedia page and I come across a Murdoch Mysteries reference because he appears in a later episode. Now. The, the Premier does? No. Yeah, Moet appears in the later episode. Now, I can't tell you why or how he appears in a later episode because it's a bit of a spoiler, Mm -hmm. but he's played by David Onley in the future episode. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, David Onley? Like, this is the rabbit hole I went down. David Onley, at this time, was the head news reporter at City TV. Oh, so he's like the Walter Cronkite of City TV at this point. And then he goes on to play the premiere in Murdoch. And then becomes <laughs> Lieutenant Governor of Ontario. Oh, in real life? In real life. So then they ask him to come and play a politician. So then on the show. they come and ask him to play a politician in the show. Just like in a season 16 episode, there's an, a, the real Canadian astronaut yes, the, does a little cameo. Yes. Yeah and certain members of rock bands and all sorts of other things Mm -hmm. that show up. So yeah, we're not two minutes in and I'm, I got a half page of notes already. And then we get to Radigan's Rays. Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) Because out of nowhere, Murdoch and Julia start talking about x-rays. Because they'll be important later. And they're nerds. Yeah. So they can't just dance and appreciate the event. They've got to nerd out while they're dancing. Uh, my weirdest Redigan fact is that a minor planet, 6401 Redigan, is named after him. Ah. So. 
I'll talk more about x-rays when we actually get when to x-rays. When we get to the actual x-rays. When we finally get past the first two minutes of the episode, <laughs> if you'll let us. Okay, so he talks about uh, a theropod, and that's actually been discovered by Marsh. I mm-hmm. didn't know if you knew that. Uh, and then the blasphemers part happened, and I didn't do a lot of research into this, but there were dinosaur events upset by religious zealots. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so before before all that, though, um, speaking of the premiere, there's a really funny scene where the, the premiere gets his photo taken. Yes. While the waiter, who later has a hammer, is offering him a sandwich. Yes. And the face that he makes, the, the premiere goes like, oh, I got a screenshot of that. Excellent. Um, I think I should resign in three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> It's it, it's kind of anticlimactic, though, that he didn't resign because of some kind of turmoil. He just resigned for a different job. No, and That's then not a, nearly he as was, fun. He won eight elections, but he was also appointed. I learned a lot about Moad. Uh, he was also appointed because the guy before him left to become the leader of the party in, in uh, Ottawa. Too. Well, isn't that just a pattern? Yeah, it's just a... But he won eight elections. He was a he was premier for quite a long time and did all sorts of interesting things, including created mis, uh, municipal levels of government, extended suffrage beyond property owners, and introduced secret ballot in provincial voting. I'm sorry, people. I know it's my I know. fault. I mentioned the premier again <laughs> because of the funny sandwich scene, and I opened the door. To more of the, the first two-minute rumination. <sighs> okay. So we get this nice little flashback of Berkeley finding the bone. Yes. Can you even call this finding it? it no! He practically trips over it. It's sticking out, right? So this is a bone that Rudolph Sutton, the, the other paleontologist, has manufactured yes. as a trap to yes. Berkeley. And he doesn't even try really to hide it. He's like, Berkeley, you are so dumb. That if I don't have this giant five foot bone sticking out of the dirt, you probably Which won't it notice never it. would have. Like it like a real paleontologist would have known the strata was all wrong. Uh, yeah, but that's the whole point. Yeah. Berkeley's not a paleontologist, right? Uh, he's a geologist. Yes. But even he should know better. But come on, it's a giant bone. Who's yeah. gonna resist that? Yeah. And he can't tell concrete from fossil? Uh, yeah, I'm a little worried He's about that. He's not a very good geologist very if you can't tell geologist. concrete from fossil. And Rudolph Sutton must have some really good arts and crafts skills because he, he makes it. That that would have been an interesting Rudolph Sutton arts and craft night in his tent because he probably did it in his tent. <laughs> and then carried it two miles on to a, bury it. On his little YouTube channel. He's like doing arts and crafts. He's got a camera and everything. Now, hey. make sure you put an iron rod in the center yep. because it, it won't be, you know. And before, before I bury this and try to uh, fake out a faker, remember, follow, like, like and, and subscribe. subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> ding that bell. It's just sticking out, and it's from a pterosaurus. Yes. So theropods, pterosaurus, it's, it's not a T-Rex, right? But, t- but they're related to. It's an Albertosaurus. Yeah, and they're all trying to figure all this stuff out as, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So mistakes were made. Yeah. And Albertosaurus is a smaller member of the same family yes. that T-Rexes are. Yes. And that's what, when we we see the body in the mouth of the fossil at, in, in a second, um, that's an Albertosaurus. That's clearly an Albertosaurus. Yeah. So there's a body in the mouth. Yes. Because 
Murdoch knocks over. The, well, he tackles he, the waiter who and, then gets away. Yeah. And then the, the, the curtain falls. And there's a giant <laughs> and sculpture. A body. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, in most cases, when you see a full dinosaur skeleton like that, none of those bones are real. No, they're, all they're all plaster, plaster. or fiberglass casts yep. of the bones because they just they just don't do that. They don't put real fossils out like that. That is one of the – there's two moments as a child who likes dinosaurs that really burst your bubble. The first moment is when you realize that you know that they're not around anymore. Mm -hmm. But when you realize that if they have – if they were around right now, we would not be the highest on the food chain. Right. So there's that moment. And then the second moment is that every dinosaur bone that you've ever seen is most likely plaster or fiberglass. Yeah. I think the third disillusionment for me was when I found out that when you see a full skeleton and like that, not only is that not really the fossilized bones you're looking at, but in reality, they may have only found a tenth of those bones if and they're they guessing lucky. what the rest of them look like. Yeah, they're guessing. Those are highly educated, extremely well-developed and researched guesses. Yes. So as soon as I saw DeWitt's body in the mouth of the dinosaur, I'm thinking, is that sturdy enough to hold that body up? I agree. Totally. And I, my question for you is, do you think that's an actual person in there or a mannequin? It looks like a real person. It the does. way his torso bends looks realistic it, to me. It looks very realistic. I don't know. That's one of those things I would ask. So I immediately, because I wondered, like, how how are these things wired up? Because I've seen dinosaur skeletons like that that are actually suspended. Yep. Right? So they're each on a pair of wires that are hanging at the right height, you know, which is amazing. But I've also seen them on, like, a welded frame that the bone, the bone recreations are attached to. Yeah. I just wondered, like, is it sturdy enough to put yeah. a whole body in that jaw? Wouldn't the jaw just, like, break or fall off? Yeah. So what do I do? I get on my little phone. Tickety and I start texting my friend Anne, who's a paleontologist. And I'm like, girlfriend, here's a picture of this Murdoch scene. I know it's 9 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, and this is a weird question, but could it support it? And I get back, like, 500 words. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and the bottom line is probably yes. <laughs> oh, could have supported it. Yes. Oh, really? Because they're way over-engineered, the frames for those things, for safety's sake. Well, I got to imagine that they got to be careful of kid touch. Yeah. Her, her only kind of point of unsuredness was... Back then, they probably would have cast the bones from plaster. And if it wasn't properly reinforced, it the whole thing wouldn't have fallen down. But the jaw might have just like snapped in half. Nowadays, they're made out of fiberglass and they've got, a, you know, like a resin fill. And it certainly would support his weight. So, yeah, it could happen. Now, I don't know how they managed to lace him through the big teeth. No. Because the mouth would not be movable. Never mind. You couldn't the lower the jaw, put him in and lift it up again. Never mind. That she's a slight woman. Yes. <laughs> but she hulks out to get him in I that get, jump. Yeah, Marianne McConnell. She's she, so pissed off. That she can carry her former boyfriend's body. Like, would she not be so incredible? Like, Wouldn't you be sad? You'd be so sad. And She's like, too ambitious yeah. to be sad, oh. Mark. Come on. She's so sad. Her former boyfriend is now just a tool for her to get ahead. Because she's know, a bad person. Yes. 
In the background, did you notice there's a bunch of large diagrams, but there's also a giant photo. And I didn't think that was possible then. How do you take a photo of a dinosaur? No, no, not of a dinosaur. Oh. Of bones. Yeah. But to print a photo that large, I don't know if it would have been possible. It's just time. a matter of backing up the magnifier that maybe. projects it onto the paper. Maybe, maybe. It would be maybe fuzzy. Maybe. I don't know. Let's flirt over a dead body. <laughs> There's always that scene. Yep. But she can't touch the body. No. Julia is so mad. Because the famous bedspring DeWitts are sending... A doctor from America to look at that body. Okay, so this is this is <laughs> She's so mad. clear Canadian hate of Americans. Okay. <laughs> it is so like remember when we started Murdoch, I talked about there would be these moments where it's like, you're American, you're bad. Yeah. This is one of those moments. Well, I don't even know if it's that it's an American. I think it could be anybody, but she's been ordered not to start the autopsy. By because Americans. Because some other doctor is coming to do it as if she's I'm, not good enough. I don't know why I turned into Randy Macho Man. I don't Savage either. You're saying America in this bad way, but you sound so American when you do it. You're like, America, yeah. So I researched the DeWitts of Philadelphia. The Bedspring family? Yes. I couldn't find anything All about them. All made up. Yeah, no, no. Now, there was a, a famous Bedspring family, but they were in Missouri. And there was a famous DeWitt family in, in Philadelphia, but they weren't Bedsprings. They didn't make Bedsprings. They're all lawyers and academics. Yeah. DeWitt says of uh, the dead man, Lucas, that he knew his strata like no one I've ever met. It's not DeWitt. It's what's his name? Who says that? Berkeley says that yeah. of DeWitt. Uh, of DeWitt. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, it may be the best compliment a paleontologist can get. Absolutely. Or an archaeologist for that matter, uh, or yeah. a geologist. You well, sure you know. know your strata. <laughs> the time team know their strata. Yes. <laughs> oh, arr, look at the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Only time team people that, will get that. That was the worst West Country <laughs> accent ever. You were a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> I love when Murdoch goes to question McConnell, she is taking a claw out of its plaster cast. Yes. And he's trying to question her and he can't take his eyes off of it. Yep. Like any other detective in any other show might be like ogling her. Yeah. Or like her cleavage or something. But no. Murdoch is like, look at that claw. And he knows exactly what it is. He's like so enamored with it. That's and, an ungula. And that's a really good model too. It's an Albertosaurus ungula. I think that's a super good model they made right there. Yeah. Because that's exactly how you would pack something like that. Yes. Is in plaster with burlap to reinforce it. Now we go to Sutton's place, which really should be called Sad Town. <laughs> He's Mr. Messy office up in yep. the garret of some building where they've sent him, you know, as his disgruntled professordom. He has to live up there. He does have some neat windows, but yes. they're all dirty so that we can't see that it's not actually a place, right? I think they actually reuse this room in another episode. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. He calls Berkeley a gaseous, bloated mental midget. Yes. <laughs> He's very mad. I don't have dozens of students. I've heard academics, maybe even in this house, say that. <laughs> I love, he says, I adore the way people confuse scientific rigor with nice teeth. 
<laughs> Again, I have thing, heard. Yes. I've heard yes. an academic say maybe in this house. He's so grumpy. <laughs> and poor Brackenreed gave Murdoch the tickets because he and Margaret are not getting along right now. Yes. So he can't go to the ball. But he shows up all But the- he has to come anyway. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go talk to the, the chief constable for a second. Yeah, it's got to mix and mingle or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Crabtree says there are still dinosaurs in the Amazon. Brackenreed says no, they're in Loch Ness. The Loch Ness dinosaur. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the dance that Murdoch and Julia do around not really doing an autopsy, but collecting as much evidence as they can from the body. Okay, how long has DeWitt been dead? Yes. But I like that. He I, came from Alberta to Toronto yep. on a train. But he was mummified on the train. No. <laughs> he was a liquefying corpse encased in plaster. I'm sorry. So how long would that train have taken from Alberta to Toronto? That At that point, three or four days. Okay. So he's dead three or four days. Yep. Then I assume he's in Toronto for a few days yep. before the exhibit is he's set up. He's at the very least two weeks dead. Yeah. And now they're going to wait even longer for a pathologist to come from Philadelphia. They're going to poke into his head. He he's going to be soup. He's sick. He's not. <laughs> he's uh, dead, honey. He's not okay. sick. No, but he smells gross. Yeah. He's going to be really bad. And Ju- when Julia talks about how, like, I've learned so much about mummification. Like, he was wrapped in the plaster in the burlap and it, it pressed this necklace into his skin and his clothes were, like, formed to to his flesh. And she's, like, so excited. Yep. And Murdoch is, like, turning green. Yeah. Like, I'm glad you're so excited. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> but I, I really think, in reality, he would be in much worse shape. Yeah. But they're, we're not going to open him. We're just going to stick these forceps into his head. Yeah. But that's not an incision, so no. it's okay. And also here, this is another example of Julia killing it comedian, as a comedian. <laughs> and Murdoch, She makes so many great jokes that other people Mur- don't appreciate. Murdoch and Brackenreed are just like, eh, whatever, jokey lady. What does she say? I forget. It was so good that you forgot. It was a good joke. The The whole idea that she's collecting evidence from the body already, even though this other pathologist is coming. Like, first of all, she's screwing everything up for the other pathologist if they're the one who are actually going to decide. Well, they but. did a good job of, of explaining later on that he observes her doing it. Yeah. So that, it so works. So there's a chain of evidence. It works that way. But when the other pathologist does show up, he just screws off to Niagara Falls and leaves her to do the job anyway. (laughs) Exactly. So there's a couple of things here that make it clearly obvious that somebody involved with the the dig and we're left with not enough suspects in this episode. Right. So they find burlap and plaster on the body. Yes. We find out Lucas had a sweetheart. Yeah. Based on his job and the fact that he was overseeing packing up the camp and everything, I'm really not surprised that he would have burlap and plaster on him anyway. No, but, I don't. But it's evidence. Did you notice that one guy at a camp had a rock and a stick and he was pushing the stick <laughs> yes. on the rock? Yes. Like, what are you doing, what man? What technique is that? I don't know. What is that doing? I recreate caveman tools. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's kind of the wrong time period. Yep. 
So they originally they think he was killed in Toronto. Then they figure out, no, he was killed in Alberta and sent to Toronto with all the other plaster encased fossils. Well, at this point, they still think he's shot. Yeah, and they think he was shot. So they've narrowed it down to like Sutton and Berkeley. And then they realize, no, no, he was killed in Alberta. And he wasn't shot. So when he was killed is completely off now. Yeah. And he wasn't shot because there's concrete in his wound. Yes. And there's no bullet. And how do they know there's no bullet? Oh, they take an x-ray. Poor Brackenreed's testicles. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad he's already had his boys because he's infertile now. Because, wow, he zapped those. He holds it right in front of his crotch. Not once, but twice. Twice. Are you sure this is safe? No! Yeah. Julia says she borrows the x-ray from the hospital. Yeah, she stole it. (laughs) The gun is in position. I love what he said. He's like, the gun? And then she just flips a switch. Doesn't even give him a chance to move. And then he's just like, oh, there's the man's skull. (laughs) There it is. I I, I find it so interesting that, so the time when this episode is set. Which would be after May 16th, 1896. X-rays. And before the 21st of July. Okay. (laughs) When this is set, x-rays have only been discovered like 18 months before. Yeah, it was very, very quick before this. And it is a technology that spreads so rapidly. Super fast. Like we see this happen now. Yeah. But back then things just didn't, especially scientific things just did not go into the public consciousness that fast. This still, when you really look at an x-ray today, you're like, that's kind of magic. (laughs) That's amazing. Like then you see a a CT scan and you're like, whoa, whoa. It's like you sliced me up and took pictures. And all I did was have an anxiety attack and a little tube. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to get into the technology of x-rays, nope. but I did look into just a little bit about the proliferation of them and how quickly they spread from not just the scientific community, but also to just like popular consciousness. Because for some reason, and I think it's because of photography, because photography had done that so recently that I think x-rays are just seen as a different kind of photography. So they get into the hands of regular people real fast. Yes. Though they should not have. They should not have. <laughs> and I think I think part of that is the C first- Bracken Reed's testicles <laughs> for evidence. I'm a little worried about C and Bracken Reed's <laughs> testicles. They might be, be glowing. Um, be, uh, <laughs> it spreads. Why so- can we not name this episode <laughs> Bracken Reed's glowing <laughs> testicles? Just call it the bone hunters. It's the same thing. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So regular people had x-ray machines so quickly. So there were photographers who had photography studios. Yes. Who quickly got x-ray machines and were doing what they were calling bone portraits. Yes. And I think that stems from the very first picture taken by him of his wife's hand. What's his name? I can't pronounce it. He's got an umlaut or Rudigan. two. Rudigan. He, he x-rayed his wife's hand with her wedding ring. And that was super popular, that picture. It was a huge thing. Yeah. Well, and it was an image that a lot of people demonstrating x-ray machines would do. Yes. Right? They would have a, a woman put her hand on there and get a plate of her hand. Yeah. But so, the, so this is in 
Portrait Studios. I can only imagine photographers must have been dropping like flies about five years later. Oh, my gosh. Because if you're taking x-ray after x-ray all day long without any protection. None. Somebody's gonna get some sick. Like they still put the lead blanket on you know, at the and leave the, room. <laughs> they leave the room. They leave the room. Leave the room. But I one, know, I know. They also took pictures of a lot of women who were pregnant. Oh well, and one probably wouldn't do that much damage to you. Yes, but the person taking those yeah, images, who's absolutely. exposed over and over and over again, would be yeah. in trouble. But moving X-rays were developed almost immediately because moving pictures were just developed. So the combination of yeah. moving photography and X-ray. Yeah. Was like overnight. Yes. Right? Which is amazing. And people were afraid that if it could see your skeleton, that it could see your thoughts. Oh. So a lot of people thought all sorts of weird things like that with the telephone. Yeah. Like it could read your mind. Yeah. What's his name? The 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 man who made one of the first movies, Malay. Is that right? George Millier. Millier. Yep. He quickly made almost like a parody movie. Yes. Of it's, a couple. It's a very famous parody yeah, movie. There are, there's a couple sitting on a couch and they're like courting and then somebody brings in an x-ray and the actors are changed into like body suits with bones painted on them. Yes. And they darken it to make it look. Like two skeletons sitting there. He imitated the. The skeleton yeah. motion earlier. Because people were already talking were about it. Already talking about it. But my favorite thing that I found, I read this article in this gothic review academic journal, okay? Yep. <laughs> and it was and it was about the reaction, the public reaction to x-rays. Yes. And it mentions this short story that was released in 1895. Oh, it's like right, right away, on. okay? It's called Rontgen's Curse. Yeah. It was written by C.H.T. Crosthwaite. Okay. okay. Wow. In two sentences, I can tell you the story okay. of this, all right? So this gentle, the scientific gentleman learns about x-rays, so he immediately invents x-ray eye drops. You okay. put them in your eyes and you can see x-rays of everybody. Is the man of x with x-ray eyes? So, a fantastically horrible movie I've seen. Much before that. The first thing he does is he puts the drops in his dog's eyes. Yes. And his dog goes, nutsy bobo, runs off and drops dead. Well, yeah. <laughs> so then he thinks, I'll just put them in my eyes. Okay. <laughs> And he sees his wife and his child as skeletons walking around the house. And he's so disturbed that he has a breakdown. Wow. And to save him, his wife gets rid of all of his scientific equipment and converts his lab into a billiard room. And then he's all better. Oh. The end. Does he do a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) X-ray eye drops. We have not even talked about George and time and horses. (laughs) So at this point in time, they're not really sure how old the world is. Mm -mm. You, if you, if you do any research into the age of the earth, you realize how recently we understood that the earth is like billions of years old. Right. Right. So they're still thinking millions because, because uh, Darwin is struggling with he's not struggling with it at this point in time, but he struggled with the idea of millions of years. Yeah. He had trouble with it. And they were trying to figure it out. And then the whole literalist, it's a bait it, out of the Bible. It's 6,000 years old. It's not really all that common that people actually believe that. People knew that these rocks were older than 6,000 years. No, God created fossils just to 
play with our minds. But then George goes off. He has his own theory. Yes. A day in God's time is a million years and in our time. maybe it's the eighth day. He's still resting. And he could make all sorts of other interesting things, like a horse that can run backward. <laughs> then it would never need to turn around. I love George's brain. George's brain is fantastic. And a great moment where Murak goes, huh, George is insane. Yeah. <laughs> Like kind of pats him on the head, sort of. Okay, you're good at your job. That's nice. Marion Allen is now in charge of the project. Yeah. So yeah. let's just unpack all of this, shall See, we? See, I don't, I don't like her ambition because she shows real remorse for losing him and then becomes incredibly ambitious. She was already ambitious. Yeah. And she liked Lucas because he respected her. But he shouldn't have. No. Because... She's evil. She is evil. So she sees... So Okay, Sutton starts it, right? She sees him kill him. Let's unpack it. Yep. Sutton starts it by arts and craftsing the big bone. Yes. And quasi-burying it as yes. a trap. Berkeley finds it, makes yep. a big deal out of it. DeWitt... Says it's fake. Says it's fake. Berkeley can't have that, so he hits DeWitt on the head with a pick. It's bonk. Which is her pick. And she sees it happen. Yes. So then she blackmails him. Yeah. Right? So Berkeley encases DeWitt like a fossil, puts his body with all the other fossils on the train. And In she, a very body-like fossil thing, did you notice? <laughs> yeah, it was like a mummy. Like, yeah. Oh, no, it's a very special bone. Packs it up and just trusts that he will get to it first. Yes. Why? I don't know why he thinks that. Okay. Meanwhile, she knows that he's done it. And so they've made a deal. That <laughs> like he's DeWitt is written on the side. Yeah. This is not a man's body. I know it's oozing. Um, <laughs> and it has feet. Yes. <laughs> it would take so much plaster, yeah. by the way. As somebody who's made plaster molds, it takes yeah. a lot of plaster. It takes okay. a lot of plaster. Anyway, so she says, Look, I won't tell that you killed my boyfriend, the person who loved me and respected me. I see his death as an opportunity to get ahead. <laughs> You have to make me, you have to put me in charge of the project when we get to Toronto. And he says, okay, just don't tell anybody that I killed him. So they get there. Well, Berkeley doesn't do it like the moment he steps off the train. So she gets upset. So she unpacks her boyfriend's body. Accessory after the fact. Which is probably already oozy. Yes. Vivisection. And puts his body in the mouth of a dinosaur. That Mono. no. Nobody sees it because there's a curtain. No. Because no. nobody there's walks behind curtain. that curtain. There's a curtain. When she unpacks his liquefying body, body. she takes his necklace off. Yes. And puts it on. <laughs> Ew. Ew. As a reminder to Berkeley, you promised. Yes. And I'm going to tell. Yep. And then puts his body up for show. And then he's like, yep, she's in charge of the project. Now I got to go. Later. He's still putting a lot of trust in her. Still putting a lot of trust in her. For my money, what would have happened is there would have been two bodies packed in plaster. Yeah. Because he would have been like, oh, is this your hammer? Gonk. Yeah. <laughs> he would not have taken the chance. Oh, when he's talking about her in Murdoch's office, oh. about how she doesn't have the instinct, but she's very good at organization and file keeping oh. or whatever. I just want to smack, 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 smack him. Smack him. Like, Murdoch, invent a slapping machine and put him in it. <laughs> Slap, 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 slap. 
If only Julia had been there when he said that. Oh she would God. have lost her mind. Well, there's a point where she's talking to Murdoch before this, where she's like, you wouldn't understand because you don't understand how uh, professional women have to deal with men. And I'm like, that is primary in Murdoch's mind. His yeah. girlfriend Not has yet. to deal with this all the yeah. time. Well, I think that's why he says, actually, I think I do. And, and I'm glad he does say that because she is like, makes that assumption and Clearly, Murdoch is the worst person to make that assumption about. Though, I don't know. I mean, even today in academia, as an industry, it's, it's, I think it's, there's still some remnants of women having those challenges. Oh, more so than in other areas. There's a fantastic book called Professor Mommy, which is about female academics, Mm -hmm. which even I'm, I consider myself an enlightened, knowledgeable person of academia. Oh, yeah. There were so many things I had never thought about when it came to women in academia that my eyes were opened by that book. But she's a bad person, McConnell is. How the long fact that she it... manhandled her boyfriend's dead body to make a point so she could get a promotion is like, ah. Oh, yes. Why didn't she you is just a bad person? Just turn him in. Yes. Because if you just tell on him, I would. You'll probably yep. not be charged because yes. you're providing evidence. Yep. But no, Absolutely. no, no. She wants to be in charge of the project Sarah, more than. How long has it been since we fried Breckenridge balls? <laughs> few minutes well time we for need dose to do number it two dose number <laughs> dose number dose <laughs> here's a bone with a metal rod <laughs> i love sutton who's like oh yeah i did that yeah he's like i made that i did a good job didn't I, I did did yeah. you watch my channel it yeah. was really cool like and subscribe <laughs> professor sutton's crappy channel <laughs> He's got to make money somehow. He's obviously not getting paid. No, no. He doesn't have a a whole bunch of grad students. No. I hate to come back to that, but that is definitely a thing that academics say. Oh, my gosh. The writers understood. Yes. And then we have the Murdoch daydream scene to wrap it all up. So it's all wrapped up. He Because he's always wanted to go to the Badlands and look for fossils himself. And so we have this weird moment where at first we're like, okay, Murdoch's daydreaming here. And then Murdoch's in his daydream. And he has a little boy. He has a little boy. We have to wait for your mother. Mother. And we're like, so, who is she? Who is she? We don't get to see her. Oh, you crafty oh, Murdoch people. You crafty Murdoch people. What I find weird is it feels like the last 10 minutes of the episode. Really? It, it felt really long to it me. It didn't feel that way to me. It felt so, nice. Um, and I actually think they are, are in, like, I don't think that's Toronto when they do the Badlands scenes. I don't know how it could scene. be. It's not green screen. Yeah, it's not green screen. And that, I don't think that's anywhere near Toronto. Like Toronto, you ha- when you have stuff like that, in Ontario, it's got rock in it mm-hmm. because it's and Canadian shield. a lot shield. more trees. It's Canadian shield yeah. and a lot more trees. They so, would have had to find just the right angle to make it look that way. So do you think they had Helena Joy play the wife? It depends. If they really did take a few actors all the way out to the Badlands to shoot those scenes, yeah. no. No. They would have repurposed a woman they had on set already. Yeah. But McConnell's too short. It's yeah. not her. It's not her. But it could have been anybody who would fit and be kind of Julia-like from the back. A future Murdoch has that fancy mustache. With the gray in it. Yep. Yeah. But we know 
that all of this is lies. <laughs> because we've watched multiple seasons. Yes. So I have a question about this. And, and this gets into spoiler territory. So we'll have to be careful. Do you think they had a plan for Murdoch and Julia this early? Yes. To the point where it is now in season 16? I don't know. Okay. I think they wanted them to be together right off the bat, but they knew they were going to throw some complications at them. Yes, and they certainly do. Yeah. Like, how many people does Julia have to kill to get through to that? <laughs> like, literally. Yeah, we'll spoil the episode that we're covering, but we'll try not to ruin anything in the future. Except for Enid. More on Enid <laughs> later. <laughs> Did you know Enid's season two? Yeah. Like, I was stunned. I forgot that she was seen in two, season two. So we can't really do Best Corpse because there's only the one. And and he's he does a good job on the slab. If if that's a human being in that dinosaur model mouth, yeah. that is some fantastic body acting. Yeah. And if it's not, it's a really good dummy. Yeah. Because the way its legs kind of hang is the way your legs would hang. It's it's good for both. Yeah. It's definitely good. After the credits. After the credits. Well, everybody goes to jail except for Sutton. Berkeley and McConnell are certainly going to jail. Yeah. I'm glad that they're so serious about her being punished too. Yeah. Because she really, I mean, Berkeley's bad, but he does it in the heat of the moment. Yeah. She's She's driving. And Murdoch is right there saying that she's accessory. Now, the waiter is actually just a street kid who Sutton has paid yes. to attack the bone with a hammer. <laughs> yes. I don't think Sutton gets in trouble for that. I don't either. And I don't think the kid ever gets caught. He's I love how the theatrical Sutton actually turns out to be. I know. <laughs> He's quite pleased with himself. He is. Yeah, I made that. <laughs> yeah. And I hired that kid to hit it with a hammer, too. Because he wanted to expose it. That kid would have had to hit it really hard. And I had to do it all myself because I have no grad students. Yes. <laughs> Are you ready for a horrible movie? Oh, boy, am I ready for a horrible movie. I was, I was, we, Mark and I were eating lunch before we started recording. And I was like, I'm like a little kid. I may have found the worst movie to have ever been made. Wow. Like, this is so exciting. Wow. I was pretty excited about the Hockey Hall of Fame thing. I, I'm glad that you were, and I'm glad that you caught that. But this bad movie is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that so I, I, am predict- I almost can't contain it. I am predicting that I've heard of this movie, but I have not seen this movie. That's what I'm predicting right now. Okay. Okay. Is this why I have your notes open? Yes. Okay. When I tell you, there's something I want you to look at. Okay. Okay. This movie is from 1983. Okay. And uh, Jordy Johnson, who plays Berkeley, yes. Berkeley in the episode, is in it. Yes. Okay. The tagline is, it started as a game until death started playing. Okay. Here's the plot. Okay. The devil uses a role-playing game to transform a young man into a serial killer. Oh, so this is an anti-D&D movie. Yes. So this is not Angels, and this is not, um, what is it, Monsters and Mazes. No. Which was a made-for-TV movie. That's the Tom Hanks movie. That no, Tom it's not Hanks that was one. in. No, no, no. Um, this is a feature film. This is a feature film. Why did we not see this? Because we would have been obsessed with this. We were playing oh, D&D at this point. you will be in about two minutes. Okay. Do you know the movie? No, I don't know the movie. Okay. Before I tell you the name, I have to read you the best movie review okay. I have ever seen. Okay. Okay. 
This is from IMDb. Okay. It was written by a user named Perny. Perny? Perny. Perny. The title is The Crown Jewel of My Collection. <laughs> oh. oh, you horrible little cow patty of a film. Your actors are stiff and couldn't read the dialogue for an Ovaltine commercial with a sense of conviction. Your plot is incomprehensible and filled to the brim with pompous symbolism no one but its filmmakers could explain. And in the end, you just plain stink. But gosh darn it if I don't feel proud to have you in my collection of films. You are without a doubt the crown jewel in my cornucopia of crap. <laughs> I threaten my friends with you and they cringe in fear. What power? And honestly, even though you still provide tons of laughs and potential riffing, one aspect of you keeps me coming back for more. Your theme song. Oh, how brilliant is your theme song. I burned it onto a CD for crying out loud. Does that not express my loyalty to you? I have no idea who was crazy enough to write the lyrics and put it to one of the worst tunes to come out of the 80s. But if I ever meet them, I will be sure to shake their hand or tentacle and say, thank you, thank you. <laughs> what a review. Another one said, this movie makes me want to puke whenever I see it. And for some reason, I see it often. <laughs> This film is called Skullduggery. Skullduggery. And now I would like you to scroll down to the very bottom of my notes and click the blue link that says theme song with 10 exclamation points. <laughs> and we will have to include a bit of this audio. Yes. Before you play it, notice the username who posted this video to YouTube. Goth Reaper Tits. Yes. <laughs> we will include a link to... Goth Reaper Tits most watched video, I'm assuming. Okay, play the song. Okay, that's as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> It's fantastic. Wow, is that bad? That movie poster is Skullduggery. bad. Wow. <laughs> there is so much wrong with this. Mark has just lost the rest of his day. <laughs> oh. The whole movie is on YouTube as well. I'm sure it is. And I <laughs> will, will be watching it. Be watching this. There you go. One point for me. Wow. Totally. Skullduggery. What's in your mind? Certainly not a skull or maybe Bracken Reed's testicles. <laughs> What's our next episode? Our next episode is Houdini Who Done It. Yes, season two, episode four. We get to meet Harry Houdini, who's and, very young. And Julia's sister, who dishes. She's awesome. She's fantastic. We meet, we also get to meet Houdini's brother, mm -hmm. actually. And it's a great whodunit. Mm -hmm. It is it is a there's magic tricks involved. There's a great magic trick and mystery and all that good stuff. And Houdini is is exactly like you want him to be as a young Houdini. Yep. So. It's really good. Yep. I I really like that episode. I've watched it several times. So. All right. Uh, so until then. Bye, Maniac. Protect your testicles. Bye, Maniac. Yeah, you way messed it up. You just got to start again. I put some. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>